Blue Lion. The Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum from Duke University. Round of the break for the Celtics. Goes around the world. Oh, the circus game in the Boston. Walker for three. Pepper Walker from downtown. Tatum drives down. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name's Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for MassLive.com. I'm joined by Nicole Yeg of the Boston Globe. What's going on, Nicole? Uh, not much, Tom. I am nine episodes into Succession. Did you ever watch that? I've not seen Succession, no. I recommend it. HBO is free right now, so that's why I'm into it. HBO, ooh, that's actually big news. Yes. How long ago did they make HBO free? I think it's been free for at least the full month so far. <laughs> so this is the stage of life that I'm at. You say HBO is free, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I And I'm not because I can watch, like, movies, but because I'm like, yo, HBO has Sesame Street episodes. <laughs> so I can uh, yeah, do have Rocky tune in. Yeah. Anyway, so Nicole and I on this episode – we're talking a little bit about things that we might change if we were the commissioner of the NBA, and neither of us is the commissioner of the NBA, but we have some ideas on what we could do both post-coronavirus and, you know, in the current climate. I figured we would start with what we would do if we were the commissioner during the coronavirus pandemic. So, Nicole, what, what was your first one? So, my first move would be to cancel the season and just <laughs> that was my, That was my number one as well. Just announce that it's done and then go all out into the draft. And I think the NFL draft was a good example. The ratings were through the roof. People loved it. The reviews from both the people involved, like coaches, players, I mean, prospects, who knows what they would have preferred, but in terms of like just how coaches and GMs felt, they loved it. Fans loved it. So I think that shows that like that's like a proof of concept basically for the NBA. If you go all out with the draft, you'll be able to make some money, and it'll be like a ratings hit. So I say just cancel the season and go forward with the schedule as normal. Have the draft, have free agency, and hopefully be able to start on time in October. Okay, so I had that too, obviously. But just like devil's ad- advocate for a moment. So yes, the NBA draft would be a, like a massive success, like even more so, you know, maybe than the NFL draft. The problem is it's one night of just through-the-roof ratings, whereas even if you were getting sort of a mediocre version of NBA basketball, even if, like, the playoffs weren't that good and you were still trying to make it work, that would be spread out over the course of a few weeks or a couple of months. Even though the NBA draft would be a huge hit, that would just be more money, I think, in people's pockets. That's a good point, and also I guess I should note that the NFL draft lasts three days and seven rounds, yes, correct. and there are yeah. 250 picks as opposed to a one-day event with 60 players. So it is A quick good. side note from a guy who loves the NBA draft so much, the NFL draft sounds like a nightmare. To cover like just, or just... Oh my, I mean, just kind of in general, like 200, like... Like, what is it? It's like 250-some picks total? 255, I think, yeah. That is insane. 
insane. It's a wild time, but obviously, like, I was happy to cover it during coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, to have something to, to write about. But, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I think that would be, I think that would be one major concern. Right. So it's a much smaller scale event, but I do think, and obviously I know that there's no financial benefit from offering people certainty, I guess, but just being able to sort of put everything behind you and move forward and sort of try and mitigate whatever ripple effects are going to come from this, I think helps. I mean, I know they've sort of floated around the idea of starting the season later in general, so this could be a good test period, but like the longer you wait it out, the longer you don't know if next season's going to start on time. And then it's like, okay, what about the next season? And the, there's just so many other questions, whereas if you just end it now, hopefully you can just start on time and, like, yeah, it sucks, but you can just start fresh. For sure. And, I, I mean, one of the reasons that I think it's, it's worth it to just cancel it is, like, things are moving so fast still. Like, I know it doesn't feel like it because, you know, when the NBA first shut down, it felt like everything was moving at at just like an unprecedented speed. But things are still moving very quickly. It all still feels so volatile. We're two days away from May right now. And the NBA was, was talking about, you know, trying to come up with decisions on May 1, that kind of thing. It just feels like trying to just trying to come up with solutions to get guys back on the court is so risky when the situation remains constantly changing. There are so many moving parts here, like how Boston is able to reopen and sort of transition back into normalcy is going to be completely different than how California does it, than how Oklahoma City does it, Atlanta, like all the cities are on different timelines and it's impossible to get them on the same timeline that I feel like that just further complicates things. And yeah, neutral sites have been raised, but that still involves getting players there and then, I don't know, moving forward at a neutral site, which still isn't the easiest thing. So I just think canceling it entirely will just hopefully provide some peace of mind, which I feel like is worth something when there's so little certainty in a ton of other aspects of life right now. Yeah, and it would also kind of even the playing field. You know, we know that guys are going to need a few weeks to get back in shape. We've heard now that NBA players are expressing concerns about guys like in Los Angeles aren't able to get up shots, but maybe somebody in Atlanta would be able to get up shots. And like Jared Dudley was saying, that was going to be a problem. Like, this would just kind of cancel out all of that. It would be like, all right, guys, look, it's it's the off season now. You've got a longer off season. You and your trainers are going to have to figure out when you should start getting ready for the season again. But at least, hopefully when you're getting ready for the season, everybody else is going to be able to get ready for the season at the same time. So it isn't sort of this, like, competitive advantage for Mike Conley, who has his own YMCA in his backyard. Right, and when you're getting ready for the season, you're getting ready for game one of 82, presumably, not like, oh, game one of a seven-game playoff series. So then everyone can sort of acclimate at their usual pace as well. For sure. All right, what was your second rule? (laughs) So I, I still think that it makes sense to flip-flop free agency in the draft. The, the, the argument against it that makes the most sense to me is that everybody's striving for some amount of normalcy, like whatever they can get, and this would be just like another wrench to throw in this <laughs> extremely wrench-filled machine right now. But at this point, it just makes the most sense to me. Like, you've got an entire offseason to try new things. This is going to be such a a bizarre offseason anyway. It's like, why even strive for normalcy? Like, throw some stuff at the wall and see if it works. And I don't mean, like, crazy stuff. This is just kind of logical. Like, why not just flip-flop it? Why not just know what your team is going to look like and then hopefully bring in a young guy that fits with the team that you already have as opposed to the team that you hope you'll be able to build in a month? 
Right. So actually, I had that on my list as just in general, like independent mm. of coronavirus. I think that the league should do that, especially because then you have a full picture of your team ahead of the draft. If you look at it from both angles, it's kind of unpleasant for both parties because, all right, so from the prospect's perspective, let's say you're Devin Vassell and you get drafted by a team that, that needs help on the wing. And you're like, all right, cool. Like, I'm coming into this team that needs help on the wing. I can be a 3 and D presence. But then the team, you know, goes into free agency and signs Danny Green. And all of a sudden, Devin Vassell is like, wait a minute, I'm playing behind. Like, like they just got this actual veteran help. And now I'm kind of screwed because the team that drafted me, you know, went out and signed a guy that they didn't necessarily know was going to be available. Like, that's really tough. And then on the other end, too, it's like, okay, let's say the Celtics draft – Tyrell Terry because they think they have enough wings, but then Gordon Hayward, you know, declines his option and signs somewhere else. And all of a sudden the Celtics are like, well, you know, Aaron Naismith was on the, was on the board when we drafted, it would have been really nice to know that Hayward was leaving because then we could have picked up another wing and then we would have had more depth on the wing. Like it just, from both sides to me, it really makes the most sense to set everybody up to succeed. So what was your last coronavirus rule? So it's not a rule. It's just kind of something they could do to, like, entertain people. They could do a talent show. Like, there's enough guys in the NBA that have, like, random little talents that I think would be really interesting. And, like, those are just things you can do from home. Like, Victor Oladipo can bust out a song. Uh, you know, Damian Lillard can rap. But but it doesn't have to be, like, that stuff. It could be, like, Javante Green can solve a Rubik's Cube in, you know, a minute and a half. Just get a bunch of guys, have them do that. You know, have a panel of judges. Like the NBA's got talent, basically. Yeah, basically like that. So, I don't know. Do do you know of anybody else who has, like, specific talents? Jalen could play the piano. Taco could play the guitar. I don't know, like, what other – I mean, I guess that would be the cool thing. Like, can you get any others? I I didn't have any off the top of my head, but I think that's exactly right, though, is that, like, the point is that it would be really fun to find things out about guys. A quick aside about guitar is – like, the, the the pet peeve that makes me sound the oldest is that I really don't like it when players pretend to play the guitar after they uh, make a shot because they just have no idea how to play guitar. That's not how you play guitar, Lance Stevenson. Okay, Tom. Or I should say, okay, Boomer. <laughs> Insanely hurtful, but also extremely fair. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about what we would do to change the NBA after coronavirus pandemic. Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to Bluetooth.com. Bluetooth.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Bluetooth's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit Bluetooth.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHU.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, so we covered what we would do if we were commissioner of the NBA and coronavirus was still going on, but what about after? So um, what would be one of the first things you would change if you were Adam Silver? Okay, so... Outside of moving the draft to after free agency, this is sort of like a small fun one that I thought would be, I don't know, a way to sort of instill more rivalries in modern day basketball, which is Mm. the two teams that played in the conference finals 
when they play next season, their games are back-to-backs. So if the Celtics and the Sixers played in the conference finals, then the next season they would play two games back-to-back in Boston and then later on in the season two games back-to-back in Philly. And I feel like that would just be kind of fun. They would play each other four times still. At first I was like, maybe they should play each other more, but that might take some of the fun out of it. So they'll still play each other four times. It's just that instead of randomly throughout the season, we get it back-to-back. And I I thought that would be fun because I found after some of the Celtics games this season against more intense opponents like the Bucks or the Sixers, like, you kind of just want to see that again. Like, you don't want to wait till the playoffs so you get to watch that basketball. And I would be interested in seeing how, like, for example, when the Celtics blew out the Bucks, like, how the Bucks would respond that very night. And there's mm-hmm. no travel. Like, you're, it's in the same city. And I just think that could be, like, a, just a fun twist during the regular season to, like, spice it up. I like that. So would they be would the games themselves be back to back or would they there be like a night off in between the two? No, so the games themselves would be back to back, but I guess there could be a night off to give players like an opportunity to rest. Yeah, I like that. And I mean I, I think to your point, like the NBA is always trying to find ways to sort of foster rivalries just because there's always the, the kind of short sighted complaints I think about like, oh, guys like each other too much, guys, you know, are, are too friendly with one another and like you know, some of the old school rivalries maybe don't feel quite the same, but I mean, we saw last year and I I think a little bit this year, maybe not quite as much, just like how much teams really can despise each other if they play each other a lot. I think that would be that would be an interesting way to do it. So would uh, would the games be like would it be four games in a row? So would it be like back to back in Boston, then back to back in Philly, or would you kind of spread those out over the season? No, I would I would do the two segments throughout the season the back-to-back games in Boston could be in like November and then the games in Philly could be in like March like that doesn't matter to me but I feel like this is a really um, like non-disruptive way to sort of just add something to the regular season schedule for sure so the only the only argument that I would have against this is that one nice thing the NBA gets from having Celtic Sixers one nice thing they get from that is that when they if they spread that out, you know, that that's like a night in January, a night in March, a night in November. It, it's nice, I think, for them to have those, like, really premier national TV type games. So I think that would be one bit of pushback you might get on that idea. Totally. I guess my response to that would be you could almost package this and promote it in, like, a as a whole event type thing. For sure. Especially since it wouldn't be just two random teams. Like, it would be the teams that met in the conference finals. So, presumably, there would be just some extra heat there in general. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. What's your What's your rule, Tom? So, my first one that I have is the Elam ending. Just, it's such a fire way to end a basketball game. If anybody doesn't know what the Elam ending is, it's instead of the buzzer being the end of the game, which, you know, encourages, like, fouls down the stretch, that kind of thing. It's just you play to the last basket, and we saw it during the All-Star game. It worked really, really well. I actually kind of thought that the All-Star game's setup, um, you know, they did it to honor Kobe Bryant, but I thought just basically making it 24 points for the the team that's in the lead to to win the game was actually, like, a a pretty solid way of doing it. So I could be wrong, and and maybe, you know, maybe they would want to try it in the G League for a year or something like that. Like, again, this is one of those things where the ripple effects would be pretty major. Um, This is like a, you know, a way that, basically changing the way that basketball ends its games. Like, that's not a small thing. But I do think that 
the three-point line felt like a big deal when they created that, and, you know, that's stuck around pretty well. So I do, I do think that, like, sometimes big changes can be good. And to me, that's, that's a perfect candidate because it, it was really, really good when we saw it in action. What's the structure you envision there? I think the I think the All Star Game one is pretty good. Like I don't remember the exact you know mathematic that that they did, but I'm pretty sure it was just basically like say you're up 99 to 95, then the final score that you need to get to is you know 123. You know I, I think there would be things to iron out. I know that um, I believe his name is Nick Elam, the the guy who who invented the ending has really thought through a lot of that stuff, and he did a really good podcast with Zach Lowe, kind of breaking it down. There's there's definitely complications to it, but it's just so exciting, and especially when it's like, let's say you're coming down the stretch, it's tied 123 to 123, and you're trying to play to 125. Like, I mean, that'd just be amazing. Like, just like teams going back and forth, and just whoever gets that next basket wins. I think it would be really, really good. So, would they play three quarters of basketball and then institute like a target number? Yes. Yes. Okay. You. So, I, I think you would take, you would decide like, okay, do you want 20 points, 25 points, 30 points, whatever it is in that last quarter. You just tack that on to, to whatever team is in the lead. So again, like let's say it was 30. If you have a, if you have you know 75 points at the end of three quarters, then the target goal is 105. Whatever it is that works the best, and maybe that's maybe that's the thing you have to iron out. Maybe you know you you play a season in the G League, figuring out exactly what the good number would be, and then you go from there. But I, I think that the Elam ending is a is a really good one. When they would test it, I think what they would want to figure out is just the timing, like what sort of equates to Ten minutes, obviously it's going to be different, but ten minutes of basketball, twelve minutes of basketball, et cetera. Do you think that the fact that it it eliminates overtime would be, like, a deterrent? Not really, because an overtime ending is exciting. It's tense. It's it's, it's everything that you want in an NBA game, but the Elam ending gives you all of that anyway, which I think is pretty valuable. Fair. All right, Tom, give me another one. All right, so this one, again, is – I don't know. I don't have like a perfect plan on how to implement it, but I, I remember a couple of years ago, and I'm guessing you do too, when the Nuggets and Timberwolves played on the last night of the regular season, and they were playing for the last spot in the okay. Western Conference playoffs, yeah. and it was just, just fire. Like it was such a good game. It was so much fun to watch. I think there should be a play-in game. I don't know how to implement it. I don't know what the fairest way to go about it is, but like. That last night of the season can just be such a chore. And instead of the last night of the season, you know, just kind of being like, all right, like, like let's get us to the playoffs. Let's just do it. Like, let's get a play-in game. Those those right. one-off games are so much fun. That team is probably about to get stomped in the first round anyway. Like, say you're the Minnesota Timberwolves. You haven't been to the playoffs in, in you know, since the KG era, or you've been once since the KG era, or whatever it is. Like, you go into that last game, you know, that's a big moment for you. Like, if you can go into that game and just win and, like, you're in and you know you're not going to beat the Lakers or the Clippers or whatever it is, but, you know, that's that's just like a that's, that's a big win for you. It's a big win for your franchise. I think it could do a lot just for, like, you know, the fans who've been watching for so long to just kind of have that one big moment of celebration. Um, I, 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 think that's, I think that would be a cool thing to try to implement somehow. For sure. I guess it would just be between the eighth and the ninth seed of the that's, conferences. That's my best – Yes, yeah, because the, the other nice thing about that is that I don't think either team would necessarily be tanking because your, your odds of moving up in the draft are, are so minimal at that point. So, you know, at that point you're talking about getting the 14th versus the 15th pick, and you would obviously like to have the playoff revenue from that. So I like that idea. I think one concern might be just that the Eastern Conference 
is not going to be nearly as exciting as the Western Conference version in today's basketball right now. Like, probably. Um, but even so, I mean, like, okay, so the worst two teams in the Eastern Conference right now are, as of uh, the season allegedly ending, it would be Washington versus Orlando. That's not amazing, but it would be like, okay, Bradley Beal versus an Orlando team that, that would be in the playoffs otherwise. Yeah, just the can, fact can, that any team can have an outside, like Washington could get into yeah. the playoffs, that obviously generates some sort of excitement. For sure. And, like, pretty much anybody, if you go down the list, like, okay, so, like, the the chance of, like, that Bradley Beal just really wants to get into the playoffs and he goes off for 50 to, like, lift the Wizards into the playoffs. Like, that's awesome. Or, like, mm-hmm. you know, Charlotte, they've got some exciting young players like you know Devontae Graham goes off and, and, and helps lift them and helps boost them and it's like it, again it's this big moment that every basketball fan in Charlotte would be tuning in for you know some basketball fan who hadn't really watched the Hornets might fall in love with Devontae Graham because they saw him you know go off in a game that helps boost them into the playoffs like some kid you know who might be watching the game that could be a big moment so I, I just think there's a lot of real benefits to it and yes the Eastern Conference is not as strong I mean you know in the West it would be in the West, it would be Portland versus Memphis. So you would get, like, Damian Lillard versus John Moran. Like, that would be amazing. Um, But, you know, in the East, I think it would still do a lot of nice things, and it would still be kind of a a cool chance for a franchise to, you know, be on a big stage when they might not otherwise. For sure. All right. What do you got for your – obviously, you had uh, flip-flopping the draft and free agency as well. What do you have for your your other big change? I think they should move the three-point line back. Interesting. Okay. Just because there needs to be – it just needs to be, like, a little bit more challenging. I was between that and instituting a four-point line, Uh but then I thought that would get too complicated and be too, I don't know, just, like, unruly. So I think they should move (laughs) it back, and then (laughs) hopefully that would also just create, like, some more space in the paint so I, I'm, I'm going to text this to you after we're done so that I can prove that I'm not just making this up. I literally have written down, nobody ever gets to suggest moving the three-point line back again. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like if you, if you don't like – okay, so yes, guys are getting like really, really good at shooting three-pointers. So like yeah. adjust your defense. Like figure out a way to like stop it. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, they, they moved the three-point line in um, at one point during the 90s, and it was, it was a disaster. They had to back it up again <laughs> real quick. and. You know, like, yeah, guys are guys are getting really good at that shot, but, I mean, I don't know that it's going to change the calculus at all. So, like, okay, let's say you back it up two feet, three feet, whatever. Guys are just going to get good at that shot, and then you're just going to have to keep backing it up. And, like, yes, that's it's going to paint, but that's not going to make a long two a better shot. It's still going to be a bad shot for everyone who isn't a superstar. You know, I, the NBA is, is ever-shifting. You know, like stuff moves around a lot. Obviously, things change. I think that at some point – we will get to a point where big men and post play is so undervalued that like guys are able to you know take advantage of it somehow. Um, I, I do think that's going to happen at some point, but the math still isn't going to change. Like even if you move the three point line back, it's still going to be worth three points, and that's very valuable. That's that's a fair point. That was one I was like least attached to. <laughs> Good. Well, uh, yeah, I uh, I strenuously disagree with it. I just <laughs> I, I just think like. You know, it, it's like, I mean, people have made that argument about, like, moving the rim up, too, because, like, guys are getting too athletic. And it's like, nah, dude, I like to watch what Zach Levine can do. Like, I want to keep I, I want to keep seeing him fly above the rim. And, like, the fact that it's 10 feet, like, I'm no closer to dunking. 
so like it's still impressive to me that Zach Levine is dunking, <laughs> even if other people are getting up as high as he is. So yeah, that one. When you when you talk about like moving the out of bounds line on the on the sides back a little bit for guys with big feet like that, you know, I, I could be convinced on that type of thing. But when you come to like really changing the dimensions of basketball, is when I start to I start to get hesitant about it. <laughs> All right, what's your last one? No, that was literally my last one. My last one oh. was, like, <laughs> was nobody ever gets to suggest moving the three point line back again. So good, yeah, we good. exhausted it on uh, on a disagreement. I like that. I guess two that I wrote down are that I'm against reseeding the playoffs and doing, like, a full league thing. Um, I think they should keep the conferences for the rivalry aspect. Yep, I agree Um, with you. And then free throw baskets. I know the G League experimented with, like, one free throw represents two points or three points. I think that they should keep the free throws because it seems to actually make a difference, and I don't think it's that much slower in terms of making the pace of the game faster. Um, And I think, like, then we don't have moments like Kawhi missing that free throw with the Spurs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like with Jalen, it's such a a point of development for him, like being able to make those free – you know what I mean? So You and I I were at the – we're at a Red Claws game, like, early in the season. I think it was their season opener. And and we saw what it was like in practice. What did you think of it when you saw – when you saw it in Maine? I really don't think it made that big of a difference. Like, I think the reason why they instituted it is to make the game faster. And I, like, Mm -hmm. maybe it was because the G League play is obviously, like, lower caliber, but I just – it didn't really have any sort of impression on me. What about you? I kind of liked it, and I didn't expect to like it. Okay. (laughs) I was really surprised that I ended up liking it, but – yeah, I don't. I don't remember. You, you caught me off guard with that one because that's a good one. I I don't remember fleshing like why, like a fleshed out idea of why I liked it. But it did kind of. It was an interesting little change of pace, and it, you know, it did obviously really reward you for being good at that first free throw, which was interesting. So I do think yeah. though the psychological element to free throws, and it's such like a mental task as well. Yeah. It is it is very it is very psychological. I'd be curious to know how the psychology of it changes if you're only shooting one as opposed to you know as as opposed Yeah, that's to, a good question. But yeah. And then what what was your other one that you uh, were against? Oh, the conferences. Yeah, no, yeah. I I'm, I'm 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 with you on that one. It's like yes, you like we have airplanes now and we can we can travel quickly from place to place, but like also it sucks flying cross country. Just let us all go to the region first. Well, and I mean, I just like watching the Celtics and like knowing that we're getting a Celtics Bucks playoff series, knowing we're going to get probably Celtics Sixers. Like that's great. Yeah. You want to see those things every, at least in my opinion, as opposed to maybe the Celtics will play the Jazz this year. I, I agree, and I, th- I think that one thing that happens is we kind of get into these little NBA like Twitter bubbles where everybody is like a super plugged in NBA fan, and they're like, you know what would be awesome is if we reseeded, and then the Celtics played the Nuggets in the first round. I mean, just think how cool it would be to see like Jamal Murray against Kemba Walker. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that would be cool, but like you know what's cooler is when these guys freaking hate each other, <laughs> like when the Celtics yeah. played the Sixers. Like that's. And That's it's, really fun. You could see that in the MJ doc, too. Like, how big of a deal it was for him to get over the hump of the Pistons. Like, that clearly meant so much to him. Yeah. Um, well, and it, meant, it meant so much to LeBron to get by the Celtics in right. 2012. Like, you know, this, it's, it's a big deal for these guys, 2011, whenever that was. Like, it's it's a huge deal to, to overcome these rivalries. It's, it's a really fun storyline. So, yeah, no. 
I'm with you on that one. I would definitely, uh, I, I would keep the conferences. All right. Well, we will leave it there. Thank you guys all for listening. As always, if you if you think of it, if you feel like it, um, you know, give us a nice review on iTunes. Uh, you know, just a little uh, five stars. And we will be back on Monday with a pretty cool interview. We're looking forward to it. So we will talk to you guys later.